The Drum Corps History Podcast, Episode 70. The Drum Corps History Podcast, a deeper look into drum corps history. This week's episode, The Giant Killer, The 1980s, Part 2. Welcome back to the Drum Corps History Podcast. My name is Ron Allard from Diceman Radio. The following comes in part from an article written by Dr. Robert Smith for A History of Drum and Bugle Corps, Volume 1, published by Steve Vickers of Drum Corps World. The musical program and drill design underwent explosive growth during the 1980s. In 1980, the top 12 competing units were playing a musical book that averaged five separate selections, much the same as had been done in the previous 20 years. For example, the DCI champion Concord Blue Devils repertoire that year contained seven different jazz pieces. Pop music of the day continued to play a dominant role in the repertoires. But by 1988, a startling transformation had occurred. Eight of the top 12 were performing musical books that expanded on only one musical idea. One must look to the Rockford Corps of 1981 to find the spark that was to ignite a new era of musical production. Hoping to improve their national standing, the Phantom Regiment developed an outstanding production based solely on Aram Cachaturian Spartacus. Coincidentally, Cachaturian's Gain Ballet had dominated most of Santa Clara's repertoire in 78 and 79. Rockford, in 1981, performed a total concept show which, unknown to the drum corps world, would become the gold standard by decade's end. Audience reaction, although initially mixed, fueled the movement despite required in-the-stands reading of a Spartacus information pamphlet distributed by volunteers before the show. The show was popular and challenging enough to retain for an additional season in 1982 in improved form. The Corps fell short of their first championship, but the new seed planted by Rockford took firm root.
The repertoire continued to expand exponentially in 1982. Although works of American composers such as Bernstein, Copland, and Gershwin had played a recurring role in drum corps programs, they were now brought to the forefront by two corps, the Garfield Cadets in the infancy of their rebuilding program and the Santa Clara Vanguard. In the first season of their rise to prominence, the Garfield Cadets developed a relatively unexplored musical book consisting of Ron Nelson's Rocky Point Holiday and Gershwin's Cuban Overture and Concerto in F. These pieces with driving yet varied tempos perfectly matched the new style of marching introduced that same year. Further note, Santa Clara closed their show with Appalachian Spring, which would become the first in a long line of Aaron Copland productions. 
Santa Clara can also be credited with the first pianissimo soft ending to a show, quite a contrast to the sometimes deafening company fronts of old. In the Midwest, the Cavaliers tackled the enormously difficult Pines of Rome as they began a slow conversion to more serious music.
This Americana flavor brought freshness to the activity and eventually a new champion in 1983 in the Garfield Cadets. The Cadets, through innovation, drill, music, and general approach to drum corps competition, became the long-sought-after giant killer that finally tumbled the California juggernauts from the drum corps throne. The new music was so well-received that the Cadets would build an unprecedented three-in-a-row national title streak upon little-known Leonard Bernstein repertoire. The Cadets performed what must be considered the definitive treatment of West Side Story in 1984, bringing a deafening hush to the field in Atlanta when the final notes of Maria fell upon the crowd. Three years later, the Cadets performed what many consider the best production ever fielded in the drum corps arena, a full-length version of Copeland's Appalachian Spring. Coupling drum corps and dance, the ballet was staged and flawlessly executed, including a dramatic silent exit backfield. The oldest active, nationally competitive corps in the history of the activity, the Cadets had fallen well below the top 12 right up to 1980. By 1983, the Corps reached the apex of the activity, crowned the first non-California DCI champion since the 1975 Madison Scouts. Phantom Regiment began their long association with Tchaikovsky in 1983, including 1812 Overture, a piece many had drooled over but reluctantly dismissed as unperformable. Years later, Michael Cesario would play a role in bringing a stunning white ballet concept to Rockford, incorporating Swan Lake.
The music became very difficult. Difficult hardly does justice to the furious tempos, rhythms, and ranges that would become competitive standard as a decade progressed. Two major events occurred in 1985, the return of the theme show and the first production of a musical repertoire written exclusively for the drum corps arena. The always innovative Suncoast Sound introduced their breezy Florida Suite written by Robert Smith and the newly developed corporate core of the 1980s star of Indiana marched a complex show to the simple yet effective tunes of Walt Disney. Premiering in Bloomington, Illinois on a mid-June night and curiously introduced wrongly as the star of India, they were instantly welcomed into the hearts of the newfound fans.
The Skywriters introduced their first show production in 1985 and 1986, which garnered unsuspected audience participation in The Wizard of Oz. Entire Broadway productions of The Sound of Music, West Side Story, and Camelot would follow in later years, but none equaling the sheer joy of the Oz shows. music of the 1980s cried out for a similar advancement in drill design and maneuverability. Foreshadowing this advance, the 1980 Santa Clara Vanguard had attempted to introduce a complex new drill form for their planet's production number. The Corps was never able to master this design by season's end and fell out of the top three for the first time in DCI's history, sliding into seventh place. This change was somewhat premature against the backdrop of the 1980 season. 
The misfire had proven that changes in the drill portion of the program were far more risky than changes in the music. The East and only the East led the way to use the total field in the total concept show, remembering the sliding massive drills of the 27th Lancers, the ultimate scatter formation of the Garfield Cadets, and the magnificent Z-Pole bought three consecutive championship shows to an end. The field was now limitless as all rules of drill design were off. A symmetry, not mirror images on the 50, prevailed. The drill was mathematical, calculated to precision, with one misstep leading to disaster. Mathematical drill design was the official line, but legend has it that more than one of the famous George Zingali drill patterns were devised by cutting up rubber bands and letting them fall as they may onto a table. An increased physical demand was placed on each member. While sections scattered far across the field, the traditionally blocked percussion section was eventually included. One DCI Midwest Whitewater crowd was witness to the destruction of five soprano bugles and minor injuries to four members when a slick field wreaked havoc on the cadets' quick backward movement at the end of their production. By the close of the decade, the new style was commonplace and had infiltrated all levels of the activity, including the smallest cores. Experienced observers, however, could detect yet another new style sleepily lying in the drill designs of both the Cavaliers and the Madison Scouts. Both corps marched near impossible drills in 1988, and both mastered them well, with the Scouts' perfect sets catapulting them to a surprise DCI title. There was tornado-like movement, asymmetry, and expansive coverage of the field as required by the 1980s standard. There was also something else, difficult to pinpoint or describe precisely, but subtly present, the new need for the 1990s. 
Once again, we're out of time, so please join us again next week for further information on Giant Killer, the 1980s. This podcast is produced and sponsored by DiceManRadio.com.